season of preparing uh, Advent, a uh, season that the, the church uh, throughout the ages, throughout history, has, has celebrated 15, 1600 years, uh, knowing that the, the season of Christmas, that the, the birth of, of Jesus was not just something we wanted just to happen upon, but something we want to prepare for. And, and we'll find that the seasons of preparation, you, we, we've been through that. We're, you're in that now, right? I mean, folks are coming to visit maybe. You're going to visit somewhere. You're packing. You're preparing. It, there's, there's something about preparing. It's not quite as exciting as the party itself. And so you find during Advent, sometimes the music is maybe just a step slower, a little more on the minor key. As we're looking at things, it's it's some of the, the work of preparing instead, so that when the day comes, we celebrate with even more meaning. And that's that's what Advent is here for us to do, to really put in place the so that when, when Christmas Day comes, the depth and meaning of that day will resonate with our soul. And so our season of Advent, we, we're calling a, a perfect Christmas recipe. Each of the, there's different ingredients to this recipe. And today, the, the ingredient is candles of hope. Now, at the conclusion of the service on your way out, the ushers will have some candles of hope to give to you. And actually, every Sunday, there'll be a different ingredient that you can pick up so that on Christmas Day, those ingredients will come to add to the celebration. Um, so yeah, that's a shameless way of saying, so you better be here every Sunday to get the ingredient or something will be missing from your celebration. Um, this, uh, I'm going to describe a situation for you here and in general terms. And you, you might be able to relate in, in some way, shape or form to this description. But you can imagine a family in their own home. And then as they're sitting in their home having dinner, they hear um, people marching through the streets. They hear guns going off. They hear people screaming they, and yelling because the... Armed, armed people from other nations have now entered into their nation and they come in, break into their home. They grab them, kidnap them, take them back to their, their home as prisoners. And they, they now no longer, they have no idea what tomorrow will bring. No idea uh, what what kind of hope they have. They're totally helpless being now prisoners to another land. Their homes have been destroyed. Now, you may think of that particular situation of destruction and killing and, and terror. Uh, you may think of a couple situations going on right now in our world. You, you may think that was a Ukrainian family. Uh, you, you may think it was an Israeli family. You may think it was a Palestinian family in Gaza. It's none of those. You'd be right if you thought of Israel. The right place, but the wrong time. You were in the wrong millennium. For this is what happened to northern Israel 730 years before Jesus was born. In those days, uh, Israel was two nations. The northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. Ahaz was the king of Judah. 
And Assyria was the invading nation. Tilgath-Pileser III. Isn't that a name for the king of Assyria? And he's the third. They thought that was such a good idea, they named three of their kids Tilgath-Pileser. But uh, in his writings, uh, he recognized that they, he needed to for Assyria to be able to have a clear path from the Euphrates to the Mediterranean. And it just so happened that northern Israel was in the way. So he decided, we'll take it. And Ahaz, the king of Judah, southern Israel, started to agree with Tilgath-Pileser and say, okay, we'll help you. And he sold out to the northern kingdom. So they, they made their way through. Around this time, the same time, Isaiah... God had raised up Isaiah to be one of the prophets, one of the the folks to to speak to God's people in the midst of this horrific time where their land was destroyed. The king of their land was totally corrupt. We we find out uh, about Ahaz. You can uh, see more uh, about uh, him in uh, 7... it's in Second Kings 16 and Second Chronicles 28. You can read more about the king of, of Ahaz. Uh, but he, he was um, one who wanted to secure for himself and maybe even for the, the nation security from all the other lands. So he started connecting to Assyria, like I said, to Tilgath-Pileser to become buddies Instead of looking to God. And he sold out the entire nation. He sold out God. He's the, he's the one that then turned to the temple. The place of their worship. He turned it into copy of the pagan worship center in Assyria. He desecrated the, the space so that Tilgath-Pileser would like him. And so that they could be friends He even participated in sacrificing his own children like they did in Assyria. And even did that in the temple. So he sold out God. He sold out God's people. And he was their king. Now you can imagine in a situation like that. How God's people would be absolutely terrified, horrified, hopeless and helpless. How in the world are we going to do anything in this day? Whether it was northern Israel who were taken as prisoners or the folks in Judah who were hearing about all that was happening in northern Israel and seeing what their king was doing. And Isaiah comes and speaks to them in their midst. There there may be ways that, that you can relate to that helplessness. That hopelessness. I mean, as we witness the global conflicts that at least we know of, that, that seem to be, have, have no sense of how they're going to end well. I mean, Ukraine and Russia, how is that going to end well where everybody's just going to be friends again? Israel and Palestine? I mean, I've only been alive 59 years and nothing's changed in my 59 years. And that's been the same for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. How in the world are we going to find hope 
there. And how can these not even escalate to being something that might even be nuclear? We certainly feel helpless as we consider that. And we've seen in our own city, in our own state, in our nation, in the last several months and years, a number of our leaders that have been charged, convicted, expelled from leading because of bribery in order to pad their own pockets and their own egos instead of serving the people. And that's across every conviction, every tribe, every political party. It's an issue of power and selfishness. And it may for us as well, we, we, as a church, we're in one of the lowest seasons of church attendance and church participation since Barna and Gallup have been taking polls. We're, we're in a season where people who are part of the church no longer participate at alarming rates. And we're in a season where people who don't go to church have actually a negative view of the church. Of those people that don't go to church, more of them see the church negatively than positively. So there's plenty of ammunition, grist for the mill, for us to feel hopeless and helpless. Relating back to God's people in 732 B.C. So over 2,700 years ago, Isaiah then is called up to speak hope. To speak hope in such a desolate situation of terror and horror. The necessary element for us to prepare for the coming of Jesus. Both his first coming that we celebrate and his second coming that we anticipate. Isaiah 11 Verses 1 through 11 is our passage. And this is the word that he speaks to God's people in that day of hopelessness. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your written word. We ask that you will speak to us of your truth. That you indeed will feed our hope. You'll give us an eye to see what you are doing You'll empower our trust and faith so that our our actions and our lives, our hopes are based on you and nothing else. Speak to us as you spoke to the people then through Isaiah. Speak to us through his words. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 11, starting with verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. 
He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples? Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, now let's let's take a little look here at what Isaiah is saying and uh, so we can understand what he's referring to. The first thing that, that he, he says is that first is that God will lead with perfect care for all. God's still in charge. God is the one who will lead with perfect care for all and his plan will continue to unfold. Now he says there's, and, and the picture that he gives us here is of desolation. Of, of a group of stumps and, and trees that have been burned down and, and cut down. I think we've got a picture just to help visualize that land that's been destroyed. Now that's, that's really what Isaiah has been talking about, the first part of 11. The first part of, of these 11 chapters of Isaiah, he's been painting this picture. Yes, things are desolate. Things are destroyed. There's just a, Israel's just a bunch of stumps torn down and destroyed by Assyria, uh, by Ahaz and his leadership. But, he says, in one of those stumps, one of those stumps, there is just a little bit of green that's popping out. There's a, a shoot that's just coming up. And from that shoot that we see, one day will be another huge forest. For that one will grow to be a tree again who will plant seeds that will grow again, that will plant seeds that will multiply and multiply and multiply until God brings all home to him that are in him. That's the picture that he's painting in this desolate time. Now, this shoot from the stump of Jesse. Now, Jesse was David's father, King David's father. Um, uh, the, uh, and King David was the king, the greatest king of all. He was one who was after God's own heart. But David himself, just like you, just like me, was imperfect was fallen, was broken. 
And so this stump doesn't come from David. It comes from Jesse to be a king like David, but to be even better. To be one who will lead with perfect care for all. David failed at that, but not this one that is coming. So in the midst of kings from Assyria, kings of, of Judah that were so horrible... Isaiah is saying, God will raise up one who will lead you. He will lead you with perfect care. Out of this desolation, you will find one who will lead with perfect wisdom and understanding in verse 2. Now, wisdom, the understanding of wisdom here in the word that's used is he gets the big picture. You hear people say, yeah, you need to see it from the 50,000 point, the 50,000 foot view. You need to see the big picture. Well, that's wisdom that sees the big picture and how things fit. But understanding has this sense of knowing all the details specifically. And you know that you got people who are detail focused and they don't see the big picture. And you got people who see the big picture, but have no idea of all the details that it takes. Well, this one will have wisdom and understanding. This one will see the big picture so that there are no unintended consequences to any decision that is made. And it will see the details perfectly so that no one will be forgotten. No one will be dropped. Uh, this one, we're, we're told, is that, that the Spirit will be upon them of counsel and might. So this wisdom and understanding will, will provide decisions, counsel that is absolutely perfect. Have the solutions exactly the way they need to be. But will also have the might to carry them out. Will have the power to execute these decisions perfectly. And then we're told that he will have the the spirit upon him. A spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. That he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So he will be brilliant. Be brilliant Yet also humble, sacrificially selfless, selfless, will not use his brilliance for his own brand, but will sacrificially, selflessly give himself away for the salvation of his people. He will lead with perfect care for all. So that, Isaiah goes on, so that there will only be halves. There will be no have-nots. So that it will be with perfect equity that all will have everything that they need. That's how this perfect one will lead. Total provision for all. His delight and power will be to destroy all that is wicked. This, this is the plan of the Father. Out of the stump of Jesse will come one who leads with perfect care. And, and he's telling them, keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on this one who is to come. That is your hope. That's the one who will lead perfectly. So in the midst of such horror, keep following him. For he will lead with perfect righteousness. He will be perfectly. Perfect, perfectly faithful. He will not forget anyone. And through this leader, we're told, verses 6 through 9, 
that God then will build to this perfect leader the perfect community. He will bring a community that works perfectly together. Verses 6 through 9. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard with the goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf all together. Well, these guys are sworn enemies. You, you're, gonna, you're not going to put them together. Look, I think we tried to work out the technical difficulties of this particular video. But here's a video, not necessarily of a wolf, but of a dog that looks like a wolf. And his interaction with a lamb. Maybe. Try it one more time. It it worked a minute ago. But. What's your reaction as you saw it? Were you anxious like I was? I was. When I saw it, I was anxious. as I'm like, what's this dog going to do? This thing looks vicious. And I've seen dogs when they get in those situations. It's not pretty. But in that one, they came together. And once the couple came, then others came. Hey, maybe this is a safe place. But... The dog, the, the wolf, and the lamb aren't supposed to dwell so well together. The lion and the fattened calf, that's not what we envision. But I propose to you what Isaiah is saying is that's a sign of the brokenness and the fall of the world. Because here, in this, in this world, in this community, with the perfect leadership of the shoot of Jesse, sworn enemies are made not just tolerating one another, but they're affectionate towards one another. And verses 7 through 9, I think what Isaiah then paints, and we're going back to a day just like Eden. Just like the beginning of creation in the Garden of Eden. this, This leader will bring a community that is just like we were created to be. The cow and the beer, the beer, the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Now, that's interesting that here, these are carnivores now become herbivores. They're, and if you harken back Genesis one and two, the plants were made for eating, not the animals. It wasn't until after the fall that the animals were then made for eating. You go back to Genesis 1 and 2, go back and read it, you'll see the plants were made for food. So this kind of transformation transforms what we would say, uh, man, it looks like that lions were made to eat meat. And we're, we're, well, that's a result of the fall. 
and all the other destruction between us and God, between us and one another, between us and creation, all of that is wiped away by this one who is to come. This perfect community that God is going to bring. Now, don't ask me about if I'm a vegan. No, I'm not. I live after the fall. So this is not anything about that. But this is about Isaiah saying, this day will be like Genesis 1 and 2. Where they were naked and unashamed. Where they walked in the garden with God and with all of creation in perfect symbiosis. Perfect cooperation and connection. And the the next verse, I think, also is, is the same. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. Now, the adder's is another form of a snake, just like a cobra is. So, look, you, you've got the, the most vulnerable human, a nursing child, a toddler, and they're playing with snakes. Does that ring any bells in the stories of Genesis 1 and 2? The serpent and the human, the serpent and Adam, where that was the very ignition of the destruction of the fall. Isaiah is saying, no, this one will come and bring us back to where the snake and the human, there'll be no more temptation. We will be in perfect unity with creation and with the fathers. That's what this one is going to do. They shall not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain. Verse 9. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Again, I think that's another hearkening back to Eden. Where the the waters were taking their place. This, This is what? This is our hope. That God has a plan of a perfect leader with perfect care. Building perfect community with one another. And this perfect care and this perfect community will be realized ultimately when Jesus returns at his second coming. Advent means coming. We celebrate Advent this for you and I. We celebrate the we celebrate as we look back at the first coming and look forward to the second. For People in Isaiah's day, they were, they were looking forward to the first and second coming. Isaiah was painting a picture of the fullness of Jesus coming and what he would accomplish. On that day, all nations will be drawn to Jesus as Lord and Savior. On that day, we will find our rest, our Sabbath rest. Our uh, 23rd Psalm, verse 2, that rest of still waters where we will be with Jesus forever. This is our sure and certain hope, just as it was there. Not just that Jesus will be with us. He'll live with us. He'll make uh, he'll forgive us and make us right with God. Is that Jesus will do that for all of creation. That everything will be made right and whole like it was in the very beginning. Now what what we need 
for hope to continue to flourish in us is to expand our imagination to the power and wonder and beauty of God. That it is possible. And that he promises one day he will make it that war will be no more. Matter of fact, hope will be no more because we only hope for what we don't see. Hope and faith will even be no more because we will be in a right, loving relationship with God and with one another. Love, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, is the only thing that is needed for all of eternity. Because a day will come and we will see face to face and experience to the full. That is our hope. And our work, our work as a community of Jesus followers is to continue to feed one another this hope. To, to, so that we participate in this world according to that hope. That if we expect our churches, pastors, one another, leaders, Government structures, where all the other good things we can put our faith and hope in, if we expect them to bring that perfection, we will be disappointed. We will, we will fall, we will fail. All of us will. Our hope, just like with Isaiah, keep your eyes on that stump and that, that vine, that tree that's going, that shoot of Jesse. It's like Jesus said, you know, keep our eyes on him. So we support one another, help one another, say, all right, let's keep our eyes on Jesus so that our hope is fed by him. And and that's why, and that feeds us so that we then continue to do the things that we're doing. I mean, it's this picture here that Isaiah has painted to the people who are in exile or the people who are totally being uh, destroyed. He's saying, no, this is the picture of the kingdom of a diverse community of people who are united together in Jesus. We we don't do that because it's sort of hip. We don't do that because it's politically correct. We do that because this is the picture of what our kingdom looks like. So the work that we're doing to pursue that, to be unified in Jesus across whatever differences we might have, is is because of our hope that Jesus is going to do this. He's going to bring this to completion. This is, this is why we participate in ministries like Interfaith Hospitality Network and come alongside folks who for every reason find themselves homeless. Why we come alongside children at Pleasant Hill to help tutor and, 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 and encourage them. Why, why we have things like Sunday school and youth group and Jesus University so that we're pouring into children to pour this hope into them so that they don't buy the, the lies or the false hopes that are out there. But to say, no, this, this is your hope. This is what we're about. This is why we participate with CityLink and City Gospel and Christ Community. Why we help care for those that don't have food. It's why Ministerium is talking now about how do we come alongside homeowners in our neighborhood who are now getting priced out of the house they've lived in for 40 years. They can't afford to pay the taxes and pay the upkeep anymore. How do we support them and encourage them? we, We do that because that's the way Jesus leads. We do this because this is our hope. And so we want to live according to what we know is eternal. And, and so we as church, our community, imperfect as we are, coming together, keeping our eyes on the shoot of Jesse. When things might look desolate all around, we say, no, our eyes are on him. Him. 
a passage that I think is a um, what I hope to do during this Advent season. Give us one passage to, to memorize, to, to read every day around a particular ingredient. This is First Peter chapter one verse three. Blessed be the God. Let, let's read it together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, let, let, let that be the passage this week. That just every morning, you, you get up, you, you, you say that particular... Put, put it back up there, Bailey. Let's leave it up there for a little bit. Uh, let's let's so that what we're realizing every morning. Oh, yeah, we have a, not just a hope. That's a nice idea. We have a living hope in a living savior who is the one who leads perfectly and who makes perfect community that we look forward to when he returns. We celebrate his second coming to fulfill his plan. We'll also have on your way out, there's a little devotions that some of you have written uh, for this week. Five devotions, uh, about a page each one, uh, about hope. And you can use that during that. That can be part of your five minutes. Part of our the encouragement of coming out of the last series was that we take five minutes a day just to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And these will take you five minutes to read and think, if you go over five minutes, that's great. But start. Got to start somewhere. Start with five minutes. And if you, if you don't pick them up, um, they'll also be emailed to you. The one will come to you every morning. If you're on the email list and you get our emails, those will come to you at one every morning um, this, this week. Again, to help us keep our eyes on the root of Jesse, on that little green tree that we know was implanted in a woman named Mary who was born, lived a life, perfect connection with the Father for 33 years, who then suffered and died on the cross as a humble servant king in order to secure our forgiveness, in order to pay the price for our sin so that we might have his goodness and might have that creation, Eden-like relationship with the living God because of him. And that we might live out that living hope, that reality in our lives with one another and with the world around us. If you today are in desperation, you're hopeless and helpless, I invite you, encourage you, cry out to Jesus. Give me hope. Give me help in the midst of my despair. For he will not disappoint. He will love you with a perfect love and he will lead you in a perfect way with wisdom and understanding, with counsel and with might. Let's turn to him as our living hope. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do give you thanks that we can turn to you in the midst of despair, in the midst of hopelessness. And we, we pray for one another.
We, we pray for those who are in the midst of a battle with, with illness and the, the battles of conflict and the, the, the battles of challenges, whatever they might be, Lord. What it may seem like it's hopeless, Lord, continue to feed their hope. We pray particularly for the, the Stifles and the Grimms who uh, suffered loss of uh, Chris Stifle and Bill Grimm. Funerals were this last week. We, we pray that they would be experiencing that peace and that hope that comes only from you. We lift up the church in, in Ukraine, in Israel, Gaza, and other places around the world where they face persecution in such dire situations. Where it seems like all that they're around, they're just surrounded by stumps. You give them hope as they turn to you. Lord, continue to, to live in us. It's our living hope as we care for one another in that community that honors and glorifies you. Help us to not grow weary in doing good, but to keep our eyes on you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.